Hello, and welcome to Art Speaks, a new arts and culture podcast from Philips. I'm your host, Arnold Lehman. After a half century in the art world, mostly as a museum director in Baltimore and in Brooklyn, and five years at Philips as senior advisor, which means someone who is old, knows a lot of people, and isn't shy about voicing opinions, Hosting a series like this seems like a perfect fit for me. So for each episode, like today's, I'll be at my desk having a socially distant conversation with friends from the art world, artists, dealers, museum directors and curators, collectors, and critics, to learn from them how and what they are doing and what is on their minds today and for tomorrow. So let's get started with our conversation with my friend, Antonio Homem, director of the Sonneman Collection Foundation. I want to just explore something for a moment. If I remember correctly, I first met Ileana in 1968 or 1969 in Paris when I was working on an Art Deco exhibition for the Metropolitan Museum. And so we were brought together because any great work of Art Deco in Paris, Ileana bought and owned. So everyone would tell me that, oh, you must see Madame Sonneben. Um, so I finally did. And um, I believe that's when we first met because you were working with Ileana from the mid 1960s, if I'm not mistaken. Actually, no, no, end of 1968, but uh, uh, I must say that uh, uh, we started actually collecting Art Deco uh, together. Eliana had already bought uh, actually just two, two chairs, uh, two Art Deco chairs that she had in her apartment in Paris. Um, I, one of them is here with me, as a matter of fact. And... Um, and I, I was very interested in that period, in design of, uh, of that period. And so we decided to go to the, uh, to the flea market. And the prize found an enormous amount of, uh, of very fun things. Uh, and at that moment, there were, I mean, we, there were very few uh, shops and uh, and there were very few collectors, and, and it's true, we were very central in the whole thing, because we really, they were very expensive, very inexpensive things. And so, and the shops were around the galleries, so that uh, any time we felt overworked or we had enough of what we were doing, we would just go around the block and buy something. Of course, it, it helped very much with Art Deco and with art generally, the fact that, uh, uh, Iliana always bought things without uh, any interest in having them placed anywhere. So uh, we could buy, we never had the problem collectors have of where am I going to put it? We would just send everything to the storage house and would not think about it anymore. You know, it's only 12 years ago when Iliana died and that I moved to, to 420 West Broadway that I finally saw started living with things that we had bought, uh, when was it? Well, I mean, almost 40 years before. No, actually more. And I remember 
that storage with all the Art Deco in it when we did that show in Baltimore together, um, which was so exciting and um, just sort of one discovery after another discovery. And I kept saying to Ileana, and I think to you, I said, I can't believe you don't live with this. And you just said exactly what she would say. Well, I don't have to live with it to love it and to own it. It's, it's very interesting in that sense. And it's very important too in, the, in, the, in what the Sonnevent collection is. You know, the fact that it was never made as a collection in the way people think of collections. Uh, you know, most people think of collections as being really like a group of the best works by the best artists that they can put together and that uh, everybody will uh, be impressed. And uh, uh, for, for us, it had nothing to do with that. It really was uh, a little like writing a diary. You write what you did every day and you are not uh, wanting for, for your diary to become the most uh, extraordinary uh, kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, mem group of memories or anything. You just write what happens every day. In a very private, intimate way. Um, yes, absolutely. No, and as a matter of fact, yes, with the, in, in a complete kind of uh, uh, link with uh, things we, we were buying. And, and that's, by the way, what I think makes not just the art deco collection, but especially the, the art collection, makes it very special. And it is because precisely there is no, I mean, it's a very candid kind of self-portrait and autobiography. And as I say, a kind of diary and a kind of itinerary. You know, it, it interests me very much that sometimes some of the artists who are at the collection, they are practically all artists we worked with. Uh, and uh, generally they were works that were bought at the beginning of their careers. But uh, some of the artists who are at the collection, you know, with, uh, with time, they, they, they did works that interest me less and that I think would interest Liliana less um, now. Uh, on the other hand, what I find wonderful is that uh, the works that we bought at the time, to me, they retain the same kind of emotional uh, development of that emotional itinerary uh, we went through. And of, of course, uh, uh, things can always uh, change and we might uh, suddenly discover that uh, those works that, well, it never happened, by the way, that the work that we bought with enthusiasm, that we lost completely interest in, in it. But I think it can also happen that works that those artists are doing now and that I'm less interested in, that suddenly I realized that they were much more interesting than I thought. You know, I remember in the early 70s, uh, I saw with Bob Rauschenberg and Diviana a Picardia show at the museum in Paris. And I, I mean, I'm glad that I can talk of Bob and of Viviana since after all, they were not really very dumb, but we were looking at the, <laughs> at the, at the works and we were saying, my God, how could he have done those fantastic early works and, uh, and uh, then have been done the later works. And 
uh, well, 20 years passed, uh, probably even less. And suddenly we started realizing that actually those later works were very, very interesting. And it's just that instead of seeing them for what they were, I suppose we were probably regretting them not to be what we thought they were or what we thought they should be, which is a mistake one makes easily. But so for me, actually, the collection is very important because we never corrected it, you see. It, uh, it's, the, it's, the real, it's the real thing, just the way it was. And uh, uh, when the Museum of Modern Art made a show uh, about Iliana, which was very different because there it really was about doing, like trying to do what they thought was most important uh, uh, that Iliana, not even collected, but that Iliana exhibited. I remember that uh, a critic uh, on the New York Times uh, said that, uh, well, what a pity that the show didn't have also works by the artists who were not as successful, uh, I mean, who didn't reach that level of success. And I thought, well, he's so right. That actually is what the, what the collection is about. And I must say that, uh, after all, uh, I do think that uh, probably two-thirds of the artists are, uh, are the very successful ones. But the other ones interest me very much also. But you know, Antonio, when I, when I always think of you and Ileana um, looking at works, buying works, exhibiting works on a day-to-day -day basis. I don't really, I, I don't know anyone else who lived every moment of the day with art and artists. And to me, when you say you never really collected the work, it's what you needed and did to live every day, the way people go out and buy groceries. It was what made your world alive. And we, of course, on the outside looking in, were granted a kind of a stimulus by what Ileana and you did almost for granted because you loved uh, those works so much, and they touch you in so many different ways. And it's totally unlike 99%, as you said, of the way people go about collecting works of art. Well, you see, most people, more and more even, I think, uh, are so dependent on other people's opinions, and they really don't collect for themselves. They collect for the admiration uh, of others. And uh, I must say that uh, uh, Eliana did have that, and I shared that with her, the fact that, uh, for better or for worse, we were really quite uh, uninterested in other people's opinions. We were very pleased, as a matter of fact, of course, when we met anybody who, who shared our opinions and interests. But, uh, but the first thing was not, will other people admire what we are choosing. The first thing is, uh, how do we feel about this? And do we really need to have it? And also, again, the having it didn't mean living with it or making it become part of something. It was just something like that we, you needed to have a, to, 
to have a link with. I, I used to say it's the mystical marriage, you know, like in the Renaissance paintings in which the, the infant Christ puts the, puts the ring on a, on a saint's finger. And uh, I think that for us, it was, uh, they were the mystic, the mystic marriages, they were the, the rings we received. I think that was carried over to the way you and Ileana um, would sit with me or other curators or artists for hours at a time talking while the gallery on many occasions was filled with very um, important uh, collectors with lots of money and you know, I just remember, I won't mention any names, but I do remember being there and, you know, we were talking about restaurants or we were talking about what our day was like or a future museum project. And in the meantime, there were people looking at works of art in the gallery who could have spent millions of dollars, you know, had they had the kind of treatment that other galleries would, you know, just uh, assault them. Well, I, I never believed in assaulting people. What we were interested in was that people would, uh, how can I say, that there would be uh, something in common that we would have. Uh, and of course, for that, you would also have to find out what people, what interested people and the, of course, we were open to it, but uh, we were never trying to convince anybody to like something they didn't like. It's funny, you know, there, uh, a young woman who used to work for Vanity Fair, one of those magazines, uh, wrote an article that was never published because Tina Brown said there was no conflict in it, which I thought was very flattering and entirely correct. There was no, <laughs> there was none whatsoever, ever. But uh, she wrote something that I liked very much, even though it does sound weird to like it. And she said that we were more remarkable for the things we didn't do than for the things we did. <laughs> and I thought that was a great compliment. And it was- I, I think that was meant as a compliment. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that many people would take it as a compliment, but I, I certainly did. <laughs> I think if she was thoughtful, if that writer was thoughtful and spent time with you and Eliana, I think she was saying something that she meant as a compliment. I think she did. Actually, she, she was a good friend and all. But still, more than what she meant, I think it's probably weird of me to take it as a compliment, but I do. <laughs> you know, actually, I, I read recently somewhere that Larry Gagosian spoke for some reason about the gallery in the past. And uh, he said something that I thought was very, that I liked very much, that I felt very flattered with. And uh, he said, everything they showed looked important, whether it was important or not. <laughs> well, no, I don't. I don't you know, necessarily agree or disagree with Larry, but I think that was very astute of him because, um, first of all, if it was at the Sonnabend Gallery, someone with a lot of 
visual acuity had made the selection that that artist was worth showing. And clearly every show, not every work is a masterpiece, but once you believe in who has made the choice of showing the artist, then I think it's a very easy step to suggest that <laughs> whether it was important, it looked important. I think that the idea too was really that we wanted for the work to be shown in the best possible way to whatever there was interesting in the work to come out. And, uh, and so, you know, uh, if, if you did that, I think, well, the work would look important. Whether, and indeed, as I was saying, well, you know, also what do, do people mean by it being important? Generally, they mean for it to be commercially successful. And there are, after all, several artists who are not that commercially successful and who, who are, we thought, and I think, uh, were at least at the moment uh, quite important. Uh, sometimes they didn't hold that during their whole lives, but uh, you know, uh, a, a great artist can have low, low moments and a less great artist can have pretty high moments too. Well, let me ask you, I want to ask you a couple of questions to mm -hmm. kind of put in perspective some things. Um, who is the first artist that you showed in Paris? And who was the first artist that you showed uptown when the gallery opened? Uh, okay. Well, uh, let's say that the first show that was up when I started at the gallery in, uh, in, uh, in Paris at the end of 68 was uh, a show of Robert Morris' spell pieces that uh, I I love very much. Actually, the show that was up before that, but I wasn't there for that opening, was a show of Rauschenberg transfer drawings. But the show of, of, of Morris' felt pieces was something very new to me and that I really liked very, very much. Then in, well, then of course in New York, in Soho, as you know, it was the Gilbert and George show. And right. How could you forget? There is a video. I hope you have a copy. I'd love to send you a copy of it. There is a video that was made 20 years after. You know that 20 years after that show, in 91, we, we, trans we, we rebuilt the gallery. We took out the wall so that it would be exactly the way it was in 71. And Gilbert and George redid the piece, uh, and uh, and well, uh, there's a video uh, of it that is really quite wonderful. I would be thrilled to have that. It's it's great. You'll see. Actually, I I've, I've been showing it in the in the exhibitions of the Sonnevent Collection in the museum exhibitions because uh, um, there is a part of the of the show that has to do with conceptual art and photography, the use of photography and all of that, then the opening to that part of the, of the show is the Gilbert and George singing sculpture. It was a very important moment. Oh my goodness. It was not for the gallery, it was an important moment in New York. Um, I mean, the most important moment in New York, I think, at that very time. 
And for me, I never forgot that. And then of course, we went on to do two Gilbert and George exhibitions at the museum. I mean, it was, they were part, in a way they became part of my life. I know. Um, so it was, uh, it was one of those, what are they, a eureka moments for me. Because I didn't, I didn't know Gilbert and George before that, uh, even though they'd shown all over Europe. Uh, but I didn't know them, and I was just so amazed and taken. Um, and um, you know, I I owe it all to pushing my way through all those crowds <laughs> at 420, which I think almost caused a riot. There were so many people there. The only other time I could remember there being that many people is when you had <laughs> the Jeff Kuhn show with Ilonia. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was incredibly crowded. It was a very interesting moment, as a matter of fact. Oh, my goodness gracious. It was. They, they were, both shows were eye-openers, <laughs> as I would say. They were both what? They were eye-openers. Oh, eye-openers. Yes, that, that you could certainly say that about that exhibition. Now, there were some people who I know mentioned to me uh, saying that I can't imagine that the police would let this take place in the gallery. And I said, it's art. And they said, it's not art, it's pornography. And I said, it's still art. Uh, and we had, I had arguments with a number of people. You can, you, you can go very far back in the, that argument. I believe it started with Flaubert and with Baudelaire. <laughs> it certainly did. But, uh, but, and you know, by the way, it's funny because we, we worried a little about that aspect, nevertheless. And we have a, a text at the entrance of the show saying, well, you know, that, you know the kind of text that now became very usual in each one says, well, there's material that might be offensive and children and uh, etc. And, uh, and you know, later on, people said, always said, oh, we, we put that uh, text at the entrance to, you know, to make it more shocking, more scandalous. No, we were just like... <laughs> I don't think they saw the exhibition if they thought that the text was going to make it more shocking. You know what interested me so much, though, was the, actually how most people were so uh, advanced and so intelligent about it. And I was very interested in the fact that uh, women especially were so much less nonsense than men about it. And actually Gilbert and George had another show that, uh, that, that dealt with, uh, with race and sex and all that. And it, again, I was very interested by the reactions of people and I realized that to my surprise, sex was number three in, uh, in problems people had with artwork. Race came before, and, uh, and first of all, the big, big taboo was religion. And I had no idea, really. Uh, well, I mean, nowadays, nowadays one, <laughs> one would, one would uh, be better informed about that. But, uh, at the time, no, I didn't think so. I thought sex would be the big taboo. Well, you know, that's what's wonderful about art. It always surprises us. It always leads the way. 
It always takes us to a different place and it always helps us to be more human. Over these past 50 years or more, where you've been such an integral part of the art world throughout the world, certainly Europe and the United States, what was the most fascinating moment of all? There's no such thing. I mean, it was the sum of it all that was the most fascinating. Well, that's, that's a perfectly good answer. It was the everydayness of it that, uh, that was, you know, it's, it's like um, when Warhol made those movies, like the one on the Empire State Building during I don't know how many hours, there is not a fascinating moment in it. It's only the sum of it all that is fascinating. And I think that is true for me, definitely. Well, Antonio, I have to say, I think that is a very good summary to how I view all the extraordinary things that you did with Eliana, what occurred in the gallery over all those many years, and how much of a debt I owe to you and to Ileana for your kindness and generosity to me in helping me to better understand um, the world around me. And I feel very strongly about that. And uh, we'll probably start to cry at any moment if I keep going down that track. It was because you were the way you were and are that that happened really. I mean, basically, we always responded to people following what those people were, which is maybe the reason why, as you say, we were paying more attention to you than to some rich person who was <laughs> <laughs> the art at the moment. Well, uh, I am so glad you did, because those days are really part of my essential memory and also gave me, uh, I think, the kind of values that I tried to use in all those years as a museum director who always wanted to be a contemporary curator. Uh, or, or, if I must admit the truth, from time to time to have a gallery. Antonio, I can't thank you enough Take care, be well, um, and thank you very much for doing this. It's a real treat for me. It really was my pleasure, totally. Great. All right, bye-bye. That was my great friend, Antonio Homem. I hope you will join me next time on Art Speaks when artist Swoon will be with us.